captivate. We like those one-liners, one words, right, that make a big difference. Um, I have to be honest with you. I was going to name this something different. I'll tell you about it later, all right? Um, But captivate, capturing the thoughts that captivate you, okay? Capturing the thoughts that captivate you. You. Now, when we think about the word captivate, we think about the word capture. See, capture is to seize something, to take hold of it with force, right? Have you ever played freeze tag or you ever played like hide and go seek and, and, and you ever been played tackle football? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I remember that growing up with my boys in the hood. We were not in the hood, but it was a neighborhood uh, called Pepper, Virginia. It was not like that. But I remember freezing cold days, playing football after school. And when you got captured, when you got tackled, it did not feel good, okay? But we're talking about capturing the thoughts that captivate you. When we think about this word captivate, it's something that, that draws your attention, that attracts you to it, and it holds your intention. You know what I'm talking about here? Things that captivate you, that have you daydreaming, that keep you up at night. Things that run through your brain each and every day. There are thoughts that are running. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth here. And he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine. Power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, the knowledge of God. And we take captive, okay, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are capturing the captivating thoughts. When you think of the word captive in this, you have someone that is in a captive state, right? But you have to capture that person. You have to capture that thought first before it captivates you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Things that run through your brain each and every day like crazy, like, like a squirrel on a treadmill, if you will, all right? All day running. See, we're going to go to Romans 8 and talk from a, a little bit. Paul's going to speak with us a little bit as, as he addressed the church of Rome. And his message was about the facts of the gospel. His message was about being saved by grace through faith. These are really big words, guys. I know they're just single words, but saved by grace, something you did not deserve, but you got through faith. That's believing and justification, being put in the right place, being justified by that faith. By belief. That just blows my mind sometimes. These simple things like that yet are so profound. And Paul's making mention of this to the church of Rome. And the last thing he talks about is this this freedom from salvation. Freedom. What? You mean from salvation? No, no. Through salvation. But it's from the power of sin. The domination of the law. And this freedom to become like Christ. These are things that you hear a lot and they might fly right over your head. You hear grace, you hear faith, you hear belief, you hear justification, and you're like, those are some big church words, but we all know what it means to be free. And see, we have to take captive, we have to cap these captivating thoughts, we have to take them captive, we have to capture them and make them submissive and obedient to Christ Jesus. See, in chapter 8, Paul takes the conversation in a much-needed direction, and he talks about this battle that rages within he talks about this battle that rages within with, between two natures. 
We have the sinful nature, right? The flesh. And then we have this life in the spirit nature. The Holy Spirit nature. And you can, you can, you can agree with me and identify in your life where it's, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the little angel on one side and the devil on the other. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? Remember Crunk uh, told us about that? You remember when Crunk was like, what am I going to do? You know, and he's, he's talking to the two, you know. There's this battle that is always waging right here between these two natures. And it's a battle that, that we have won, but sometimes we forget. I watched over our last week of prayer and fasting. There were many things that came up in the lives of folks that they shared of lies that they have believed over time. Lies. And I got frustrated with it. And I told you that this, this, this series was going to be called something else. There was inspiration by Brian and Katie Torwalt, a song that they put out that we're going to sing later called Prophesy Your Promise. And she talked about something specific in this song about taking lies captive and telling them to go to hell. We were going to name it Go to Hell, but we didn't want kids running around their school and saying, Go to hell! What's going on at my church right now? Okay, So we, we just kind of shied away from that. But it's understanding that we have authority and that we have a choice. That we can take thoughts captive. We can capture these thoughts, these things that are captivating you, you have authority over them as God's kid. And Paul is talking about this to the church of Rome, an understanding of who we are and what we're supposed to be. We see this in Romans 8, 5 through 11, these two natures that we're fighting against here, one being controlled by one or being controlled by the other. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. We talk about the flesh in this way. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Your mindset. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So we see someone who is controlled by the flesh, it ends in death. Right? You've seen that. You've seen death in your relationships. You've seen death in your finances. You've seen death and healing in your body, not being whole. You've seen death in many ways in your life because of the sinful nature that is so prevalent, the fight that's within. But you've also seen, and I believe, life in the Spirit, where you have seen peace. A sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, you're different, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, does the Spirit of God live in you? Yes. As a believer, the triune God says, whoop, right up inside of you. You are a temple of His Spirit. You are a, a place, a residence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, and we all say, yes, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. If it is in you, right, you're not controlled by sinful nature. You have the Spirit of Christ, you belong to Christ, and you are alive because of this righteousness, Him putting you in the right place. Verse 11, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, if He is, and we know He is, right? He will also give, you, give your mortal bodies through this Spirit. Who, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. His goal for you is life and peace. We have an obligation, though, 
Romans 8, 12 through 13. We see Paul speaking here. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We all want to live. Think about this, guys. You can see it now. You can see what the battle looks like. If you can't, close your eyes for me just a second. You can see the battle that rages inside of you. You can see what the lies have been. You can see what the enemy has said to you before. You can see and remotely fear sometimes what the Spirit of God has said to you, the Holy Spirit and His leading. You have seen both sides of this. And today we have said yes and we will be obedient to listen to God's Holy Spirit and His direction. See, some thoughts that I have for you, you can open your eyes again, in forms of a question. Who will you listen to? Yeah, we're deciding today, I want to listen to the Spirit of God and His leading, but who will you listen to when you leave this place? Who will inform your thinking? Who will tell you what to do and where to go? Will it be the flesh, the sinful nature that is natural in all of us? Or will it be the Spirit of God? I'd love to tell you that uh, everybody knows what you're going through. I'd love to tell you that everybody can identify with you. But you know, we all have something that's very unique called DNA. And our struggles, I feel, have the same type of thing. Everybody is unique in their own way. And it's crazy how the Spirit of God fills us uniquely, each and every one of us, and helps us to see the truth and not fall to the lie. See, we see this in, in the book of Acts. Peter talks about Jesus being the author of life, the perfecter. You've heard that before as well. John records Jesus saying uh, that he is the way, truth, and the life. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. John also quotes Jesus as saying, talking about the devil, that he's the prince of the world and the prince of the air. We see that when we walk out this place, this utopia that we have here, that the battle rages, doesn't it? We were here last night for a movie night. It's amazing the difference of downtown Morgantown Sunday morning than it is Saturday night. Two worlds. And this is what you live in. This is what we live in. Two worlds. In this world, not of it. We're living trying to bring his kingdom here. We're trying to see righteousness take place in our lives and the lives of others. And there is this battle that is raging within for you, for your mind, for your life for your destiny, for your future. So how does this happen? See, we understand that he's, he's the father of lies. Jesus said it. We understand that he just begins to throw these things out, even if it's half-truths, and we begin to bite on it, nibble on it, chew on it, believe it, consume it, and become it. So what do we do with these lies? See, the devil, he whispers his lies. See, lies that make us question our identity. Think about this. I was trying to find a better word for identity, but I really couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere but there. See, the devil will whisper lies, and it's just so, so, so quietly and so gentle. And, and I think back to the garden where the father of lies began his great work, and he's speaking with Adam and Eve, and he's, he's talking with them through this. Did, you know, did God really say, you know, if you eat of this, do you, will you really die? You know, you, you think about this conversation that was happening that has this never stopped since the beginning. And it doesn't have to be a loud shout or a yell, but it's just a tiny whisper. And what does the whisper do? It causes doubt. 
doesn't it? Doesn't this sound familiar? Doesn't this look like the daily of our lives? Where it, it's not something like, hey! It's like, hey, hungry? You know, kind of thing. Surely you won't die. It's just knowing things. It's not a big deal. You won't die. He, li- he, he lies to us and, and we question our identity. Man. Romans 8, 13 through 17. The challenge is to not believe the lie, guys. Don't believe the lie. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But, the, but, but if the spirit, by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Daughters of God. Your true identity is found in your sons and daughtership. It's amazing how he just whispers. Are you really a child of God? Did you ever really get saved? Did you ever really have a conversion experience like they say in church? Did you ever really repent? I was challenged by something this week. I was listening to a podcast and uh, John Ortberg was on there. You may have heard of John Ortberg before. But he was talking about conversion. He was talking, and that means when somebody, you know, converts to the faith, Christianity. And he was talking about uh, what this looks like and how we always try to close the deal and make it this, this point where it's like, when were you saved? What time? What were you wearing? What was the cloud coverage? What was the humidity? You know what I mean by this? And he challenged my thinking this week in that <laughs> I know when my children were born. I know when each of them were born. I was there. I was that dad. I was there. I know where they came from. I know their mama. I know their past. I know everything, right? But the greatest thing and the beauty of this is doing life with my children. And John Ortberg made this point that it's not about so much when the, the turn, the change, that has to happen. There has to be a decision in one's life. But it's about the everyday journey of being a son and daughter. It's about being with your daddy. Knowing he's your daddy. No question in your mind or soul deep within that he is your father. And he attacks your identity as a son and daughter of him. That's what the enemy does. He attacks your identity. If he gets you to doubt your heritage, if he gets you to doubt your lineage, you will doubt everything. That's why he attacks the relationship between God and man from the very beginning. Right? From the very beginning. It's not very loud often. Just a whisper. See, we know in this that we are sons and daughters, but we are also heirs. What, what is the truth here? What is the truth that we are God's kids through it all? Regardless of what we go through, we are God's kids and we are royalty. We are co-heirs with Christ. A lot of times that flies over ahead and it just gets dismissed. Do you know who you are in him? A son or daughter of God, a brother or sister with Christ, one who has the Holy Spirit dwelling richly within you, helping you to make the right decisions, helping you, walking with you, guiding with you, guiding you through everything, all circumstances and all situations. He challenges you, doesn't he? Question, to question your identity. The second thing, the adversary, see these are different names for the enemy because this is who he is. The adversary will speak his lie. So he might whisper, but then he also becomes more audible, doesn't he? 
Lies that attack our purpose. Lies that attack our purpose straight from Romans 8. Paul's speaking with these folks. See, every single one of us, I I do not doubt it one bit, has a purpose. Every single one of us, God has a plan for your life. And what's so crazy about that is that the enemy hates it. He hates that, that, that God has planned something for you. He hates that God has put purpose in your heart. He has put desires in your heart that will glorify him and that you will give him glory with. And the enemy wants to fight it. And he'll speak out loud about it. He'll say things that are lies to your life. I think about this with Jesus as we see the adversary uh, trying to attack his purpose in life. What did Jesus come for? To die, be raised again, and give us eternal life. And we see Jesus being tempted. We see a conversation happening between Jesus and the adversary, don't we? Do you remember that? We see him. He's, he's, I can give you this. I can give you that. I can promise you this. I can promise you that. This could be your purpose. That could be your purpose. This could be your plan. That could be your plan. Does this not sound familiar? We wake up. What am I supposed to do today? I don't know what to do. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a plan. God has promises. Promises of purpose. Promises of plan. Promises of provision. We see it in his word everywhere. The promises of God for you and for me, they're so rich and they're so real. But the enemy speaks his lies. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you have no purpose, that you're worthless, that you don't have anything to offer in this life, that you don't have any gifts, that you don't have any talents. Don't believe the lie. We have to take those thoughts captive. We have to capture them. We have to seize them with force and tell them, go to hell. That's where this lie came from, the pit. Go to hell. This lie, that lie, I was going to speak about fear specifically today, but I really, I feel, really feel like we had to set this up better because yours is so unique. You'll hear from other folks throughout this series about some of the lies they've believed or some of the lies they don't want you to believe. But the most important thing is understanding the power that we have and the purpose. We see this in Romans 8, 28, and then again as we move on to 31 through 34. 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love them. We've heard that many times in life. That he has plans for you, has a destiny for your life. You hear that in verses 29 and 30. Then we go to 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If we know that God works for the good in all things. You you made a list in your mind of what's not good right now, didn't you? I can't figure out my major. That's not good. You right? This relationship failed me. That's not good. I don't have enough money. That's not good. I don't have a car. That's not good. My parents are terrible. That's not good. I've been a bad kid. That's not good. You know? We can list all of the things that are not good in our lives. We, and, and that list comes so quickly, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? It is so easy to populate a list of things that are not good right now. But we know that in all things, in all of these things that are not so good, that God is working his good. Man, that's strong. Paul knows what he's talking about here. Shipwrecked, snake bitten. That dude went through it. It was not good, was it? But yet he can come at this with such wisdom and experience that God is working these things for good. Of those who love him. What then shall we say? How do we respond to this? We heard our response already. If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Man, if he's for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He gave us the very best in Christ Jesus. So what is everything else compared to that? Think about that. I don't have enough money for that. Come on, man. He gave you Jesus. What is money? I'm struggling with this relationship. He gave you the best relationship ever. Jesus. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who can bring anything against me? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of the Father of God and is also interceding for me. doesn't matter what they bring against you. Your brother is always praying for you. Interceding on your behalf. The right hand of the Father calling out to God. God, this is what my, my brother or sister needs. God, this is what my brother or sister needs. God, this is what my brother and sister needs. They're struggling. They don't have purpose. God, show them the purpose. God, speak it. How does he do it? Through his spirit inside of you. There's two people, two spirits, one in the air and one inside that is speaking and battling within you. Who will you listen to? The truth is this. God has created you with destiny and purpose. God's purpose, we see this, it flows out of your love for him. That's what it flows out of. Your love for him. His purpose is to bring the good. Not that everything is going to be unicorns and rainbows, right? We know that. But in everything, he's working the good into it. He's working it for good according to him and how he sees it. His purpose flows out of his love for us and our love for him. The third thing the the deceiver will do is he will shout his lies. Lies that cripple our love. We talked about just now this love that we have for him and how we find that purpose. But what the enemy wants to fight the very most, again, we talk about our sons and daughtership and we talk about our our love for him and and how we, we doubt our purpose. But what he wants to cripple the most is your understanding of God's love for you. He wants you to doubt that Jesus came for you. He wants you to doubt that you'll ever get out of this. He wants you to doubt that you'll ever have a a way of of peace, that you'll ever have life, that you'll ever find your way. He wants you to doubt it because he wants to cripple the love that God has for you. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. God has created you with destiny and with a plan, and the enemy wants to cripple it from the onstart. Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul understood these things. As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul's saying, look, it's not going to get any easier if you keep following Jesus. No, in all these things, we've heard this many times, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Pause for a second. When we think of more than conquerors, it's one thing to do something in the flesh, isn't it? It's one thing to to run a marathon. We can do that. If you train hard enough, you can do it. It's one thing to build a house. If If you learn enough and you understand enough, you can do it. 
It's one thing to get an education in some way, shape, or form. It's one thing to make a million dollars because anybody can do this. You can do it. It's the stuff that's in the flesh. You can conquer that. But he's talking about more than conquerors. He's talking about taking it to a spiritual level. Again, the battle's raging between the flesh and the spirit, the sinful nature and the spirit of God in us. And we can do these things in the flesh because we have a choice. However, he's talking about here something different, that you will be more than conquerors of these types of things, but these types of things, the spiritual things that are much deeper, that go beyond what you can see or feel. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And it happens by way of God's love for us. Worship team, if you guys want to start making your way up. No, in all these things, we're more than. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. See, he's, he's talking about these spiritual things. Neither angels nor demons. Right? Death nor life, he's talking about the eternal, he's understanding that there are neither angels or demons, spiritual forces, neither the present nor the future, all time, nor any powers, nor anything, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, come on now, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you ever feel like you make a list of things that would make you separate from him? If I do this, I'm separate. Well, because I did that, I'm totally separate from him. I'm not connected to him. This happened in my life. There's no way that I'm still connected. Man, I I was angry today. You know, I cussed somebody out. You know, I, I threw things. It's funny. Last week, I go home. And I've been working on my basement for months, trying to refinish this thing because we had a mold problem come in and all kinds of fun stuff. And all of a sudden, I look in the bathroom on the upper level, and there's water on the floor. Okay. What I did not do, I failed to replace the water valve place refiller in the tank, the guts of the tank, for about a week and a half because I was working on the basement. So I would turn the water off so nobody could use it. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Anybody have kids? You know what I'm talking about here, too. Well, my beautiful children, not their fault, ended up using the restroom, clogging the toilet, and then turning the water on. So what happened then was all of the water flowed into the toilet, out of the toilet, onto the floor, through the floor, to the basement. Thank the Lord. Had alert. It was on the left side of the basement and not the right, which means it went into the, the workspace garage area and not to the finished part that we just finished on drywall and repair on. A whole new ceiling. I would love to say, when this guy was on this shoulder, and this guy was on this shoulder, that I listened to the guy in white. You know, I talked last week about living life through the Spirit. About when things happen and our response, do we respond in the Spirit? I responded in the spirit of Beelzebub. I freaked out. I flipped my lid. I was literally, guys throwing stuff. I'm like, ah, I got all this work to do here. The water's coming through. I'm vacuuming up three gallons of water out of my back space. Freaked out. I lost my ever-loving mind. I felt terrible because I didn't respond the way that I should. I told the kiddos, you're not in trouble. It's my fault that I didn't fix the, the toilet. 
What is my fault and where I failed you is how I responded. I didn't act like Jesus. I didn't curse or anything, so I wasn't that far, huh? I'm still holy. Can you give me an amen? I mean, come on. I don't have a problem with that. I'm righteous. I completely failed. I was more angry that I failed my children and how I responded than I was that water was flying through the, the ceiling of my house down to the basement. I was more angry that I failed, that I did not respond in the spirit. I didn't respond as the way that I should. In that moment, I didn't really feel loved by God, if you know what I'm saying. I didn't really feel too excited about my faith. I didn't really feel like I was just winning. I felt like I had done something terrible and I'd lost the respect of my kids and my father. But then in my mind, something popped in. Dude, you didn't respond right. You failed. You did. But how will you respond next time? What's the truth of the situation? You got a problem. You don't respond well sometimes. When your son tells you you're throwing things, then you got a problem. I'm still human, by the way. Nothing separated me still in that moment from his love. I responded so terribly to the lie that everything was ruined. It wasn't. That everything was broke. It wasn't. That everything's, it wasn't. I know it seems simple, but it's a big deal. You're thinking like a rehab, tearing out a bathroom and doing it. You know, it's a lot of work. Nothing in that moment separated me from the truth that God still loved me, but also that my family still loved me. And we think about the things that we do in life. And we, we can be convinced that this or that can separate us from the love of God. But nothing, it's so hard to wrap my mind around, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you. He loves you. He sent Jesus for you so that you could demolish strongholds, so that you could take captive. You can capture and you take captive those thoughts, and we see that again, and make them obedient to Christ, submissive to Christ. So as we end with this time of worship today, my challenge to you is this. Identify the lies. It probably won't be hard. And I want you to prophesy, which means speak the word, God's promises and his word over the lies. And maybe you'll have somebody that wants to pray with you. Maybe a husband and wife, maybe friends or us right up front here during this time. But I want you to speak the truth. You can whisper it, you can speak it, you can yell it, but regardless, the truth is coming out today. And you will not believe the lie anymore. So whatever that looks like, now's the day to do it. Again, like that challenge that I received to become a disciple or follower of Christ doesn't mean that you fix everything in one day. It means that things get fixed over time. Maybe your journey's starting today. Whatever that looks like for you, can we journey with you? Can we walk with you? So important. So do me a favor and let's stand together. We'll start there. And then from there, you can respond as you see fit. My challenge for you today is that you will take captive, you will capture the lies that captivate you, that draw your attention away from the truths of God for your life. 
that you will understand with everything in you that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are a co-heir with Christ. You have authority that you will understand, you will get that you have a purpose. His greatest purpose for you is peace. But you have a purpose for your life. That you will get that. That you will not allow, you will not allow on your watch for God's love toward you to be crippled by the lies of the enemy. Not anymore. All that stuff can go to hell. Because that's where it came from. That's where it came from. Straight from the pit. From the deceiver, the adversary, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, the devil. No more. I've been excited all week to get to this moment. We talked about it. Because I know that God wants to do something. But you got to let him. Who we listen to. The battle's raging. The choice is yours. Who we listen to. It's up to you. It's not up to me. I won't be with you everywhere. These guys won't be with you everywhere. Even your friends won't be with you everywhere. And nobody can be in here with you. Who will you listen to? The spirit of truth? Right? Or the flesh? <laughs> its nature is to spread lies. Even half-truth. doesn't matter. Who will you listen to? Respond how you see fit today. Okay? Jesus.